Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, podcasting again. It is a week of story. This week, we're going to talk about, um, we have a guest here, Erin Colligan, and um, they're here to share story. So yay. Uh, the more stories we, are, we hear, the more we um, kind of settle what abortion really is into our nervous systems, into our belief systems, into our understanding. And that creates a climate where we're more accepting of abortion and we're less afraid to talk about it. And as related to my series, the week of May 16th through 20th, which is like where we're recording now, (laughs) we are more likely and capable of taking action for all of our rights and for true justice. So thank you for being here and sharing your story. We can start this in lots of ways. Um, I think the nicest way to start is to just tell us like who you are, like set the story aside for a minute and just tell us who you are. And so we can kind of connect to that piece of, of your story. If you're, if you're up game for that. Yeah, of course. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Erin. Um, I'm currently 26. I reside in the Hudson Valley of, some would say upstate New York, some would disagree and say it's not upstate. It's fine. I'm, we're <laughs> I'm actually really close to each other. Yeah, <laughs> I just fun. found that out. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I currently work for a telehealth medication abortion access platform that I really have been loving and I wouldn't have, you know, gotten here and kind of dove into abortion without my experience, um, without my abortion experience in 2020. Um, I just got married, court married the other day um, (laughs) to my lovely partner. I have two cats. Um, I love fruit. (laughs) Um, Oh gosh, me too. And it's such a good time of year for fruit. (laughs) Yes. um, Yeah. I think I I ate a whole watermelon this weekend. (laughs) Oh, that sounds so nice. I want to, I want to do that today. <laughs> uh, please do. Please do. We can think of each other. Uh, yeah. Sorry. See, I already interrupted you. I told, uh, no, Aaron, I told Aaron before the started that I'm an interrupter and I get excited about things and then I just chime in. So yeah, <laughs> it's already happened. We're like two minutes in. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, okay. Anything else that feels important to share or um, are we ready to talk about your experience? Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm ready. (laughs) Great. Okay. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no format here. So what do you think someone listening might want to hear about your story? Is it chronological? Do you want to start at the beginning and tell us what it looked like? Is it emotional and you want to start with what it all felt like for you? Um, You get to start wherever you want to start. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I can start in a chronological manner with 
um, and try to make it flow. We'll see how it goes. Um, and see, yeah, uh, so I've told my story to many people. Um, it's not like this is my first time sharing it, um, but it's my first time sharing it on a on a podcast and yeah. the, in this way, which I feel really, really blessed to be here and talk to you today. Um, so to set kind of a backdrop, um, it was fall of 2020. So um, late fall in 2020, it was October. Um, mm-hmm. So there was kind of another peak in like a surge of cases in COVID. Yeah. Um, I was at the time 24, um, had been dating my partner for about three months and I was living at my mom's in Long Island, um, Eastern Long Island. And I had been living with her since the beginning of 2020. Um, and it kind of lined up with the pandemic and we're really close. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was October, beginning of October and we were driving into New York City with my mom and we were moving my sister into her apartment in Brooklyn and she was she was just like you're being really short with me what's going on like and I was like I can't even like move touch my boob without it hurting I don't know what's going on and I naturally like with my period get sensitive boobs but I was like something's going on and she's like all right um and I was like and I'm nauseous and she's like when's your period coming and I'm like it's not for another four days and she's like okay I think you're pregnant because I she was like I knew I was pregnant really early and these are like some telltale signs and I just kind of blocked it out um and told my partner but kept going on with my day um and then later that night or the next day I can't exactly remember I met up with my partner took a pregnancy test and it was positive and we both just kind of like laughed um I mean I was crying and laughing but I was just like mm-hmm. in complete disbelief <laughs> I know because um, I never thought it could be me and um yeah not to go into too much of like my contraceptive history because I think people don't have to you know give a reason for why they got pregnant like you can get pregnant any any what way but um yeah birth control I just had like negative uh experiences with in high school and so I had been off of it since I was like about 19 Mm-hmm. I went vegan and I was like, I'm off birth control. Um, so solely condoms, but yeah, I got pregnant, which happens. And, um, I immediately knew, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I immediately knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to get an abortion. It terrified me because I didn't actually know anybody in real life that had, had an abortion. Um, I didn't know much about abortion. I, you know, consider myself pro-choice and progressive, but I never had talked to somebody about their abortion experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought about it and my mom had a like a GYN that she really liked a gyno mm-hmm. yeah um and I thought okay so where I was living there weren't any independent clinics there were Planned Parenthoods one within an hour and then the gyno was like 30 minutes away so I was like let's see if I can reach out to the gyno so that maybe because I'm under my mom's insurance I don't take up space in the Planned Parenthood for like uninsured folks or mm. there's a large um, Hispanic community where that the closest Planned Parenthood is to my hometown and so I was like if I can just use my mom's insurance go to this guy know they do abortions right like they do this all the time and got there um everything was fine it was just like I got to the front desk and I was like I'm here for an abortion I just said the word and the woman at the front desk was like I just need you to talk a little lower about that like I don't want you to um like disturb like you know the other people being here and so kind of at that moment I was like all right um where am I and okay is this going to be fine 
Um, and I had never met the male gynecologist that my mom had had, um, yeah. but she was like, my friends use him. He's, he's great. Um, and I had been to that exact place for, you know, pap smears and like uh, annual exams, but I'd never seen him. Yeah. But I was just like, I had decided um, that day while talking to him that I wanted to do the medication abortion. Um, I was kind of fearful going in though, because I do have very heavy, painful periods. And mm-hmm. I saw a little bit online, like, okay, it's, you know, it can be pretty unpleasant, but I was like, I just want to be home with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she was actually really loving. And like, mm-hmm. I just, she always had said like, I'll raise your kid if you ever get pregnant. So I was always nervous, but she was really receptive and really, uh, um, open and and mm-hmm. the support system I really needed in that and yeah. not to mention my partner too was really supportive which I'm super grateful for because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't have that yeah. you know yeah um and I was I was getting the I was in the office with the gyno and he was talking me through the pills and he was just being very vague um just not a lot of details about the pills he was just like all right you'll take this one here and then for some reason, he said 48 hours instead of, which I'm now learning a lot of people do it 24 hours, the four, like the um, mesoprostol. So he's like, I you'll think do the mine was 24 or 48. Okay. I'm sorry. I think. Okay. Was, I know yeah. it's like a range, but it was 48. he said yeah. 48. So I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, he didn't give me a pamphlet. He didn't give me a phone number to call. He didn't give me any more like resources besides his own word, um, which I thought was a little strange. And he didn't give me any like um, nausea or like infection in an infection medication, which I'm now learning is like pretty common. Um, he mm-hmm. did give me like, I think, I don't know if it was codeine, but he gave me some, because I said I have naproxen at home, which I usually use like a lead for my periods. But he said, I have like this I don't know if that's a steroid or not a steroid. Is that a steroid codeine? Um, codeine. Whatever it is. It's not a steroid. Is it in the narcotic family? I have no idea. But usually it's like codeine so. and Tylenol mixed or something. Yeah. 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 He was like, this is going to, this is going to be fine. Um, so I went home. I was feeling good. Um, two days later, it was just me and my mom mm-hmm. to do the four pills. Um, my mm-hmm. partner had was like really open and he was like oh if you want to me to come I will take off work but I just didn't want to scare him because I was a bit scared and I didn't know like how bad it would be and he had seen me get periods but sometimes when I get periods I like shut down and I Mm. have to be alone and Mm -hmm. kind of the only person that's seen me in that state of mind (laughs) um where I feel like essentially I'm kind of dying um is my mom so I Mm. was really happy that she took the day off it was like a Wednesday I remember um and I did the four um and I didn't bleed that much um which I thought was a little strange and I was like at this point had done a lot more research myself or was was trying to because I was just like all right I want to see more people's experiences um and I went to the bathroom um, and the pain was getting really bad. So I actually took some codeine, even though I had taken some of the naproxen um, and it just wasn't for some reason, my body wasn't absorbing or reacting to the pain medication. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was sitting on the toilet and I passed out and my mom luckily was there. Um, And I was just really nauseous and yeah, you know, a lot was going on with my body mm-hmm. <laughs> like as you can imagine if there's like a lot of pressure down there like 
just a lot was going on. So I wasn't throwing up though. Um, and I just remember asking her, I was like, is this what, are these what contractions feel like? Because I, he had told me that the doctor like, oh, you're going to feel like some contractions, but I didn't know they would be so intense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I remember going into the shower and like, I went in down dog Mm -hmm. and my mom like massaged my lower back. Um, and I just kind of was worried because I was like, he just didn't talk about the pain levels. He just said, oh, you might be having heavy period pain, but I didn't know I would feel so, uh, so weak kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And I just didn't know. I don't know. I, I thought, I thought, okay, am I going to go to the emergency room? Like, is that, is that going to have to happen? Um, mm-hmm. Just because it was just like a really short time where it was really concentrated pain. Um, just like really intense period cramps ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that later passed. My dad stopped by actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, hi, I hope you're doing well. He didn't say the word abortion, but he knew it was going on. And I was yeah. just like, hi dad, yeah. uh, lots going on, but hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then where am I going with this now? Um, I just wasn't, I hadn't bled that much and I wasn't passing that many, like that much tissue. I was just like, okay, but everything, you know, everything's going to be fine. And my, actually my pregnancy symptoms were alleviating, you know, Mm -hmm. that next day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is all good. Um, my breast didn't hurt as much. I wasn't as nauseous and I could actually eat because I, I think, I think I had really early like food aversions, Mm -hmm. um, that were really intense. Um, so about, Two weeks later, after taking the two pill, the four pills, sorry, um, I went back to the same doctor mm-hmm. and he did, you know, the P test and he was like, oh, aren't you happy this is behind you? And I'm like, yeah, he got the P test results. He's like, okay, you're still pregnant, mm-hmm. um, which I, I now know is actually common. Um, like it can yeah. take up to like a month to have a negative yeah. pregnancy test, yeah. but I don't think he knew that and I didn't know that. So he said, would you like to do more pills? Um, Because it looks like you didn't pass everything. And I said, well, no, that was actually the most pain I've ever been in. Can we just get this done here? Like locally? Like, so I just had the the arm, the local, um, I don't know if it's anesthetic or what it's called, but it's, and they just numbed me um, and I was awake for it. And it was literally a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And it was just the suction. Um, you know the procedure and I think they thought I was very weird because I was like oh can I see it like can I see what's going on like I'm just really interested I'm not grossed up by my body I'm just like yeah yeah I've seen I've seen my body I've seen blood I and he's like all right this is what it looks like um it took like a minute and then they were also doing an ultrasound during that and so I was like Mm -hmm. okay this is good I'm gonna leave here and be completely fine um and about, I think it was about three weeks to a month later, I was in the shower and I hemorrhaged. So wow. I just, um, yeah, so at this point I would have been probably like 10 weeks. I, for some like reference, I was probably six weeks when I took the pills, mm-hmm. um, you know, a month earlier, <laughs> but then I think I was about 10 weeks by the time I hemorrhaged. So I was in the shower with my partner and I just got down and I was like, oh my gosh, I I can't stop bleeding. Um, And my mom was like, okay, we're going to the hospital right away. So um, she calls 911 
and <laughs> the police come first, which I forgot, but where I live, I don't know if that's normal, but they came first to like alert yeah. EMS. Yeah, I think um, that's probably what would happen here too, yeah. Yeah, and a boy from my high school who's a police officer, my town is very small, oh, mind you. Yeah, like, this would happen going on? Like, this would happen here too. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm hemorrhaging. He's like, I don't really, he was just really unsure about the whole situation. And I was yeah. like, also, I'm in so much pain, like, just get me to the EMS, like, get me in the EMS truck, like, don't talk to me, I don't really want to see you, hi, um, like, it's embarrassing, it was embarrassing, um, mm-hmm. and I think unnecessary with the love, um, but so the EMS came, and where I'm from is actually an island, so there's no hospital, you have to take a ferry off of the island to <sighs> get to a hospital, mm-hmm. and the closest urgent care I learned doesn't have GYN, like OBGYN services, okay. but because it was closer, they had to send me there. So they sent me there over the ferry. It was a Sunday night, I remember. Um, and I get there and I'm actually wearing Finks period underwear. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know those, but yeah, I love them. They, were a li- they were a lifesaver. It's ironic. Like they were a lifesaver, but they also screwed me over because the nurses were really undermine the amount I was bleeding because they were like oh but you're not bleeding through and I was like I'm wearing pads and things like I'm bleeding a lot and I basically was just like I need another procedure that's kind of I was just like telling them what all this information and it's almost like they had never met somebody who had ever been there for a miscarriage I mean I'm sure they have but they were the questions they were asking were like just wild to me like what's going on what happened tell me all this history and I'm like I don't need to go into all this history with you I need to be seen by a doctor and essentially be transferred to the hospital because Mm -hmm. which is like 45 minutes away to an hour away from there um but I was kept there overnight um with like a jacked like IV in my arm (laughs) and I just remember this one really sweet nurse came in and she was like I don't know what's going on, but like, I just want to let you know you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because I kind of was just feeling like a guinea pig at that urgent care, honestly, because they were uh-huh. just like confused. I then earlier the next morning, I didn't really sleep earlier the next morning. I had um, an ultrasound um, and just having so many repetitive, not only like hands up there, but like so much pressure yeah. and people poking and prodding is in itself traumatic um Mm -hmm. and just not them not being at all conscious about like people's like sexual trauma and just like people's the history of our bodies and like even thinking to ask that before they just go in with whatever they're doing so um I think that was just really upsetting um and so um this one person was doing my ultrasound she was like I usually deliver babies but like she was doing my ultrasound. She's like, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. She just kept repeating that because I was bleeding so much. And I was like, mm. I know I need to go to the hospital. Like I shouldn't yeah. be here. And I was trying to tell the EMS truck that I need to go to the hospital, but I don't really have, I didn't have control over that. Yeah. Um, so it was about noon and I got transferred. So I was probably there like I don't know, 12 hours or something too long or <laughs> too long. Um, and I get to the hospital, which is like, has a great OBGYN services. 
um, I'm there and a midwife comes over and I had never really actually met a midwife in person. And she's like, she made me feel so calm in that mm-hmm. moment. She was like, I gave her a brief rundown of, you know, the month and a half, two months. That should have just been one, you know, right. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, so she- confused about that ultrasound in the second procedure and why we missed the boat there (laughs) but Mm -hmm. keep going okay so you got um sounds like you got some really beautiful midwifery care yeah so she was just talking to me and that was wonderful and I almost Mm -hmm. wanted to say like I was holding out her hand like can you just stay with me like the oh hold on a sec we lost your sound what can you still hear me I love, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, I don't know the where The last place I heard was, um, I wanted to say, can you stay with me? Oh yeah. Um, and shortly after the OBGYN came in and I was just really happy she wasn't a male <laughs> because mm-hmm. um, I didn't exactly state this, but when I got the pills, it was one man. And then when I had the local, uh, procedure done in the OBGYN, it was another man. So it's just mm-hmm. a lot of men. And I was just like, yeah. all right, I'd like somebody that knows more, can, can identify and resonate with my experience more. Um, yeah. so I was just really, I felt really relieved to be there. Um, I had like tons of bruises on my arm from the IV just because of the way they put it in. And I was really happy they could take that out. Um, and it was very, it was very quick. Um, I went under, like they put me to sleep. Um, I just remember I had like a septum ring and they're like, you have something in your nose because I was wearing a mask. And they were like, I was like, it's a septum ring. I can't take it out. <laughs> um, but yeah. So basically so... you had a whole nother surgical abortion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a so, story. Yeah. It was like three steps. And looking back, it's like, I think I'm, I'm every day trying to understand it and yeah. think like, where could I have advocated for myself better? Where could I have mm-hmm. um, spoken up more? Like, for example, at the, the first urgent care I was at, I am a pretty quiet person and don't really raise my voice. But in that moment, I was like, the only way that they would listen to me to transfer me was when I started raising my voice, not mm-hmm. yelling, but just saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to transfer me. I need, I need more care that you can't provide for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like prior to that, I had been in the hospital. I have like nut and shellfish allergies. So I had been in the hospital for that. Um, and kind of scared of the hospital, but that was certainly the most I and the longest I've spent <laughs> in like yeah. an urgent care and in a hospital. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my story. There's without- so many layers to this story. It's like when you first started telling your story. I was thinking, what a beautiful example of what's possible, right? Like I have support from my partner. I have support mm-hmm. from my mom. I'm eight, like in my mind at the beginning of the story, it was like, I'm able to access care through a regular clinic, like or women's health clinic, mm-hmm. um, reproductive health clinic without needing to go to an abortion clinic or move through press protesters. Mm-hmm. So like at the beginning, it's kind of like, 
this is an amazing example of what's possible. And then as the story continues, it's like feels more the energy of the lack of skilled medical care around abortion, the lack of training for nurses, doctors, um, even like the receptionist, right? Around mm-hmm. competent, skilled yeah. abortion care. Yeah. The like trauma that that creates, just that lack of training and that lack of knowledge, the trauma it creates. And, um, and just like what we know is true about care, not for men, (laughs) like regular cis men, right? Like we know we're not heard. We're not seen. We're not understood. We're not believed. Like Mm -hmm. the lack of respect for this human who's having a medical experience that needs medical attention and also like compassionate, loving care, like skilled, Mm -hmm. compassionate, loving care. Mm -hmm. So your story is really interesting in that it's so many layered. And part of me is thinking like, thank goodness you were a 20, like, single, I mean, partnered, but single 24 year old person versus a mom of like a single mom of three young kids, Mm -hmm. like without insurance. Yeah. yeah. How would your story, your, Mm -hmm. just the medical piece of your story, the location piece of your story, like all of it, how, Mm -hmm. if these systems are broken for you, how, can they possibly serve the millions and millions of people who do mm-hmm. not have support from their mothers, mm-hmm. from their partners, from their insurance? A space to do it. Yeah. Like a safe space to yeah. do it. I was at my mom's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and something I didn't mention before was like, um, I was thinking at first, like, oh, I'm in the Northeast of the US. I'm in New York state. Like it's progressive to some extent. Long Island isn't, is by no means really progressive. It's a lot, actually less progressive than New York City, but kind of anywhere else in New York can get conservative. But like after I saw the receptionist at that OBGYN, I then saw the person at ultrasound who didn't talk to me throughout the whole ultrasound. Um, I asked, was asking questions and she knew, I think that I was there for an abortion and she didn't answer my questions. I said like, can I see how far along? And she just, I looked it up at her and she was like, she was repulsed by me. And I think that set the tone really for the care that I was getting that day because I just felt, it just felt so stigmatized. I felt so ashamed for being there. I felt like I was the only one there for abortion. Like, I don't think they told me that over the phone that it doesn't seem like they actually did that much, that much in abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think there's this like complicated place of the beauty of getting your abortion care with practitioners you already know in your case, it's a little bit different because it was more like care that your mom already knew, but you'd been mm-hmm. there, right? So there's the beauty of continuity of care. Like I get the care I need for all things I need it for regarding mm-hmm. my reproductive health in the same place. But then there's a, a complicating factor of these people are not trained for this, which can make it more traumatic than mm-hmm. having gone to Planned Parenthood or an independent abortion clinic. Um, 
And there's a whole nother layer of your story around the conversation around the safety of at-home abortion, the safety of medication abortion, but not always for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it is safe, but there are complications. And so we can't Mm -hmm. just we can't just count on, oh, well, we'll all just have medication abortions at home. Like we still need medical care. Like we still, mm-hmm. there will still be people who need medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, so many layers, so many yeah. layers. Yeah. And I think like I, as someone who loves abortion and even though with my experience, I still love medication abortion. Um, yeah. And I also don't think it's like something I'm coming to terms with now, like if I had just taken a pregnancy test a month later, what if it was negative? Like a lot of this maybe could have been avoided if they knew, if they were more skilled and knowledgeable about abortion in general. Like, yeah. I don't know if I would have needed those two procedures. I probably. <laughs> well, what did they find in this? I mean, you don't have to share this part. But yeah. Did, what did they find in the third, second and third procedure? Like, did the they second find one they any just said, proof? They said there's a little bit of tissue and I was seeing, I was seeing, you know, a little bit of clots, but you know, medication abortion, people can bleed for weeks. So I don't know if that would have just naturally been passed, um, which is like the frustrating part ultimately. And I think like, but why did the ultrasound with the second, second surgical procedure? Yeah. Um, I didn't, I honestly didn't get they just, I woke up in a room and they said, oh, you're good. You're not pregnant anymore. I didn't get any information about what they found. Um, And at that point, I didn't even think to ask because I think I was so torn up about just wanting to not be pregnant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. Um, But I I am really, I am really happy to share my story. I think I sometimes like, I don't want it to stray people away from abortion or because abortion is super safe and you know effective in the right hands (laughs) and with the right guidance um but like yeah stuff does happen and independent clinics are so important as well for a multitude of reasons um just as at at home we Mm -hmm. just it's a great example like we just need it all like we just need it all i mean it's it's like anything medical right like we need home birth and we need hospital mm-hmm. birth and we need birth center birth. And like, mm-hmm. we are all different people with different stories and we need all these layers of care. We deserve all these layers of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and from skilled practitioners who care about humans and human stories. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's so important that we hear more stories and that we are able to voice more our stories Mm -hmm. um I hope that you saying your story out loud knowing that's going to land on a lot of listeners ears for years to come um settles you into your layer of confidence and belief in abortion care and I think like this piece that's so crucial to me is like my abortion was complicated and I a thousand percent believe in abortion care, abortion access, um, abortion rights, all of it. Like 
We mm-hmm. don't, it doesn't, we don't have to take a story and be like, see, abortion is complicated and X, Y, Z and make it mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a big and it's like my story. Like we haven't even talked about any of the emotional piece. It might just not be for this podcast. But for me, it was like, I was sad and everyone who needs an abortion for any reason should have access to one. And that, mm-hmm. that's, that's what we get to offer when we keep telling our story. Yeah, totally. And I think like my abortion was definitely, it's like the worst and best thing to happen to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like totally. it's allowed me to speak. It's allowed me to speak up so much about how I'm feeling and like my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just hope to continue, like if I can, my life's work in like reaper justice and abortion access. Like that would make me just so happy. And it's obviously so needed right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you for the work. Yeah. And I want to thank you too. <laughs> yeah. I, we're doing it. We're doing what matters. So cheers to us both for sure. High fives. Um, <laughs> do you want to share anything about who you work for or offer, um, offer, offer listeners that resource? Yeah, sure. Um, so I work for a telehealth medicine platform called abortion on demand mm-hmm. um i do i'm a patient care assistant and i also mm-hmm. speak spanish so right now we currently don't have nice. any um clinicians or physicians that are fluent in spanish so we yeah. um you know make referrals for patients to like CareFM and a bunch of other um in-person and telehealth medicine services that offer spanish-speaking help um but i I love abortion on demand. It's um, accessible right now in 21 states. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, in the next, you know, in the upcoming ones, what happens with Roe yeah. and how many states. Yeah. I know right now um, we have a lot of Georgia patients um, because there's not, you know, the telehealth medicine regulations are slim <laughs> or not slim, sorry. Um, yeah. The options are slim for Southern folks. Yeah. And so I think, you know, when I'm, when I'm answering a call and I'm on the admin line, I'm just so happy to, to speak to anybody and to make their experience feel more normal. And mm. they're like, I just didn't know it could be this easy. And I was like, this is how it should be. You yes. know, like yes. if I had, if I would have known about this, oh my gosh, I would have hopped on it. I guess it would have made me too. A few- <laughs> I, I didn't even know about it. And I can like came from a like reproductive healthcare background. I had no idea that I could get pills in the mail. I totally would have done that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So just like saying that over and over again, um, and the thought of you being on the other side of the line when someone calls just makes me feel so warm and happy. So thank you for doing that work. It's so important and totally relevant to, um, the content that I am releasing this week that we're recording about taking action, right? Is like, what is my relationship to abortion and how can I offer myself and what I care about to this conversation in a supportive, positive, um, impactful way? So you are doing it beautifully. You are an example of what's possible. Thank you. That makes me so warm inside. And I, I love connecting with you. And I also just can't wait to listen. I've heard quite a few episodes on your podcast, but I can't wait to binge them. Cause I know right after I had my <laughs> <That's> abortion, <a> <laughs> I listened to literally all the abortion diary and like 
I was just driving in circles listening to the abortion diary and I was like where is my story where is my story and then I was like oh it's my story like I don't have to find someone else's story (laughs) yes exactly exactly beautiful all right well thank you so much um I'm just really grateful to have this in the series thank you so much have a wonderful day there this is Erin again I just wanted to chime in with some more updated and exciting information about abortion on demand also known as AOD. Um, AOD is a telehealth abortion provider um, and AOD is not an in-clinic experience put on the internet nor is it a replacement. Um, In the end our goal is to make at-home abortion as easy and straightforward as possible AOD provides care entirely within a legal framework in all of the states where we operate, which is 21 states at the moment. AOD is founded by and run by a small team of clinicians with deep roots in independent abortion clinics. Telehealth abortion services are not for everyone. We are committed to ensuring that local independent clinics, who are the true backbone of abortion care, are able to keep their doors open. For this reason, a majority of AOD's profits are donated to the Keep Our Clinics Fund. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.